Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. I'm Randy, and today my guest is Leslie Allure. Leslie is the Global VP of Marketing at Avanti, where she's focused on growth and very much jumped into this role to bring a different perspective to the executive table. And that is one of someone who's not just spent their career purely in marketing, but also exploring areas of strategy and understanding the decisions that need to be made for a business as a whole. And I think her ability to bring that to the table and bring to our podcast today really will give you a bigger view of where we need to go with marketing. And in the second half of our chat, we talk about the convergence of B2B and B2C marketing and this idea of creating a more real human experience at every single stage. This isn't just about generating top of funnel demand. This is about getting someone over the finish line and becoming your biggest advocates. This is a great episode. There's a marketer who I definitely align with in terms of her thinking. Tune in right now for my chat with Leslie Allure. Leslie, thanks so much for stopping in to chat with us. I am very excited to talk to you about how you got into this global VP of growth marketing role. And this is your first executive gig at a pretty big company. How did this come to be for you? Yeah, well, you know, I think it comes along, I came along as many, many times it does, which is I knew somebody, I was lucky enough to have um, a really great marketing leader I worked with uh, many years ago, who reached out to me, and uh, she had recently joined Avanti as the CMO, and, and she contacted me and told me about all the great things that they were doing over there, and convinced me to come. <laughs> so I guess it was a combination of, of luck and building a reputation over time. Well, I, I mean, that's that's a very humble way to put it. But I mean, Avanti, for people who don't know the brand, don't know the company, it's not a small, small business by any means. Maybe you can give us some perspective to the scale of the company, just so that we know what you've jumped into. Sometimes I joke that it's the Avanti's the biggest brand you've never heard of. And, you know, that's on us to, to, to fix and to make better known. But we're a company that has been around for many, many years and was previously known as Landesk. So that's a, that's a brand that more people will probably recognize. But we're actually an amalgamation of many companies that have come together over time. Uh, so Avanti today is very different than it was even a year ago because uh, we've already gone through tremendous growth, acquired multiple companies, which is very interesting from a marketing perspective. We acquire at least one company every quarter and continue wow. and plan to continue to do so, actually. And we offer um, enterprise service management solutions, security solutions, and unified endpoint management. Gotcha. So for some perspective, I mean, I was just looking on LinkedIn and I saw over 2,500 employees. Again, that's a big role to jump into as a marketing leader. When you look back on your career, I know you had seven years in another large organization in Iron Mountain, but what do you pinpoint is what prepped you to jump into this leadership role? Yeah, you know, uh, what's really interesting, Randy, is that um, I had started to step away from marketing 
in fact. I actually had uh, moved into a role which was leading an innovation team. And before that, I had done corporate strategy, all of these things at Iron Mountain. What inspired me to go down that path was actually um, when I was leading marketing for our European business firm, Iron Mountain. It was a wonderful experience. I got to spend some time living in the UK. And while I was there, I got to work really close with the business. I was a member of the executive leadership team there. So I got to sit in on meetings where they weren't just talking about what's happening in sales. They were talking about what's happening in every facet of the business from finance to business continuity planning to real estate development, you name it. And I was like, wow, I love this. This is fascinating. Not only did it make me a better marketer, but it kind of inspired me to reach outside of marketing, which I think is a great thing for every marketer to do. When Melissa contacted me and said, hey, do you wanna come work for Avanti? I, I wasn't totally convinced right away. I don't know, I, I kind of moved away from marketing. I'm getting closer to the business. I love being involved in corporate strategy and innovation and seeing how products come to life, see how you know financial an analysis is done at this business and executive decisions are made. You know, And she's like, hey, that's a great skill to bring back into marketing. This is what we're trying to do at Avanti and bring your marketing brilliance to the table, but do these other things too. And you know, she's a very convincing woman, but I will tell you that what actually convinced me more than anything was the opportunity to speak to every member of the executive leadership team. And I spoke to them, I heard their philosophy on where the company was going, the growth trajectory, the challenges and the opportunity and where they saw marketing really making a true impact. And I was like, okay, I can do this. You see marketing as a strategic business partner. That is something I can buy into. It's interesting as you talk about that. And, and I'm curious now that you've been in this role for almost a year, has it lived up to that expectation that you had? Because if, if you know, being honest, and, and I remember this earlier in my career as a marketer, you didn't get some of that strategy piece that, you, that you're talking about, right? Like understanding the business. And I hear people in startups talk about this as to why they go to a startup. They want to understand the business, big companies. You want to understand the business. That's why you want to climb. Now that you're at that executive level at the executive table, are you getting to do that balance of marketing and strategy? Uh, the answer is yes, but <laughs> I have the level of exposure that I want and I have the opportunity to to participate in the extended leadership team, which means every single month we're, we're getting together as a leadership team, all the executives across the business, and we're evaluating every facet of the business, which is really critical to me because I can make sure that what we're driving from a marketing strategy perspective is in lockstep to where the business is looking to go and the business priorities. And I say, but because we've got to get our house in order from a marketing perspective. So I can't let myself get too distracted by the shiny objects and other parts of the business just yet. Um, you know, I actually have put in my personal growth plan to, um, you know, get marketing to a state where we are really nailing the the fundamentals that we needed to develop and build this year. And with a hope that by the beginning of next year, I can start expanding my reach into other parts of the business. And, you know, I, I told Melissa, I'd like to establish mentorships with colleagues in other departments starting next year. That's, that's a great, a great strategy for yourself as, as we're talking about strategy. And I'm curious what it's been like, again, you know, putting a bit of a timestamp on this podcast 
know, we're reporting maybe on what we hope to be the end of a pandemic coming out on, on the better side, but you definitely would have joined in the heat of a pandemic. What has it been like trying to meet your team as well as, as you said, meet different groups that are coming in through acquisition where I'm assuming there wasn't a lot of face-to-face? I have to say that I carry an advantage in this regard because I worked remotely before it was fashionable. Um, I worked remotely the majority of my career, um, apart from my very first job, uh, the couple of months or a couple of years that I spent living in the UK, which in which I worked in an office. But I have regularly joined companies where it would be quite a while before I met people. I regularly onboarded talent that uh, were remote themselves, and and I would say, as you noted taking on the acquisitions at the frequency and scale that we have can make it challenging to do remotely. But on the flip side, it actually makes it easier to not leave people behind, right? Because whenever you're a global company like we are, and we're a very globally distributed company with clients all over the world, you can lose sight of being inclusive and being even diverse enough in bringing thoughts to the table when you're only bringing people who are physically present to the table. So I actually think that in some ways it's been a bit of a blessing and really expanding our ability to more equitably integrate people around the world. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. I, I think, you know, this pandemic for as much bad as it's brought, it's, it's forced us to think about how to bring people on regardless of where they are. And, you know, maybe allowed us to, you know, be more open-minded about the type of talent we, we align with at the end of the day. Uh, Leslie, we're going to keep you around. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to chat a little bit more about the type of buyer journey you're charting at Avanti right after this break. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. Leslie, I want to talk a little bit about your take on B2B. You are a B2B marketer, like it or not. You know, we can take a lot of inspiration from B2C, and I I know you feel that way too. How do you think we need to learn from B2C? Yeah, you know, this is a this is a conversation that's been happening in the B2B world for a very long time. So some people might be sick of it, but I actually think that the last year has reinvigorated this discussion in a totally new way. And in fact, whether buyers, business buyers realize it or not, I really think that the the cognitive dissonance between how people behave and buy in their personal lives and how they behave and buy in their professional lives is closing. It used to actually really impress me the way that people acted much more rationally as business buyers than they did as consumer buyers in certain aspects and then not in others. 
but I'm definitely seeing that there's evidence that that people are expecting to have more of a B2C type experience in their B2B interactions. And that means being able to interact in a digital environment, uh, you know, do a lot more on their own, which of course we've all been hearing for years and years. This isn't new, but it's definitely becoming more and more true, but also that people don't necessarily want or need, feel they need anymore to have, you know, a whole bringing in of the troops of all of the salespeople to, to talk to all of your people to make the buying decisions. It's all being done more virtually. People want to be more independent and people want to see that brand kind of everywhere as they're going through their experience. You know, you make the mistake of even saying a word in front of your, you know, I'm not even going to say her name, a word device, because um, she's listening always. Um, and all of a sudden you're being followed everywhere with with everything. And you kind of like you're freaked out by it, but now you kind of expect it. And in your professional lives, I feel like if people don't see you, your brand, your company, your value proposition kind of perpetually in front of them as they're moving through the buyer experience, it almost like erodes their trust or confidence. And it's such a good point. I, I think I, one of the things I say a lot is that from a B2B perspective, we have to find the right line, though, of adding value when we put these these pieces of content, these assets, mm. our brand in front. Because as you said, we're happy to talk in front of our Google device or whatever it is, mine's going to talk now, you know, as long as we know that it's going to feed us back some sort of value, some sort of insight. I think the challenge with brands is our ability to also meet the customer with that same value. I mean, I, I will give a B2B brand a ton of insight on me as long as they can come back to me with value. I fear that sometimes though, people are just kind of sending out to me saying, great, we know your first name. Let's chat. Right. I mean, knowing my first name to me is not enough to suggest that we've built a relationship. How are some of the ways that you're thinking about actually tailoring that experience for each buyer? You know, this is where I think we're seeing the evolution of, I'm going to say another A word, <laughs> ABM. As businesses, we need to be strategic in our segmentation and our targeting and go after the the companies in which we're most likely to be successful with and be able to provide value to as an organization. But there's another layer of value, as you so eloquently said, you know, we that we need to deliver to, to people as humans. Their time is valuable. Their impressions and opinions and in interactions are valuable. The fact they're willing to confirm that this is in fact their first name, which we think it is, is valuable. Um, but what are we giving them in exchange? And what I think we need to be doing a lot more of is spending the time to to listen and to research and figure out a way to synthesize what, what we see in the buyer interactions in a way that we can execute at scale, but create an experience that feels very personalized and precise. And I don't mean that we creep them out because we also know their middle name. <laughs> by, by personalized and precise, I mean, here's something that we're putting in front of you that we're going we're gonna to distract you with because we actually think you'll like it. Uh, we think it could be useful to you. And the key to that, and I'm not going to pretend like I figured out exactly how to do this, but I really think that the way to do this is to show up in people's moments, is what I like to say. So I actually have a little bit of a of an allergy to the expression demand generation, even though that's like my job and I use the expression, uh, because it implies in some way that we're generating or manufacturing demand. We're not selling pots and pans. You can't 
convince somebody that they need an egg pan they never thought they needed before. You know, if that egg pan cost them $100,000, right? Uh, you need to find a way to, to respect people's buying moments in the moment they're having it and be in front of them and give them the thing they need right in that moment. Like that's that's the magic of marketing. Consumer side of things have, have somehow figured this out. Uh, it's up to us to do the same. It's really interesting. I couldn't agree more. And one of the things that you shared with me earlier when we were chatting is that one of your mandates as a company and for you as a marketing leader is to figure out how to increase the average spend of your customers. And, you know, we're not going to give actual numbers here, but I, I, I know a lot of marketers are trying to figure this out. In fact, we had a customer who had an amazing story about how they took a much more personalized, more account-based marketing approach. And they started to see the deal size increase by two to three times by doing so, right? And it wasn't one thing they did. It wasn't our software alone. It was this whole mindset, as you put it on, how do we create this more personalized feel? And, and I'm wondering where you start to see that make a difference. In, in your mind, what is it that, that allows you to bring in the right customer versus perhaps like generate demand of a, a very large pool of irrelevant buyers? Yeah, well, I I, uh, I wish I could say I've totally figured this out. Here, here's what I'll tell you. We, we put together a hypothesis for how we would go about creating a predictable, scalable demand generation engine that would allow us to, to estimate and forecast exactly what we would be able to contribute into our pipeline from a marketing perspective that would ultimately impact our growth. And we spent the last six months really focusing on that and refining it, and we did it which sounds like a great thing and it's a great start. However, what has happened in the last six months is our sales strategy has also changed and evolved. We've acquired a few more companies. We've decided that we want to move upstream, as you noted, and, and focus on deal sizes that are three times what our current is. Um, and so all of a sudden our demand gen engine was delivering on the, the first set of deal size we wanted and not so much on the three times that size. And so we need to refine our approach and I don't know that we have yet really done the homework to say this is our ideal customer, that we're, we're a good mutual fit, and these are the people, the human beings that are going to be involved in this conversation. And that to, to do that, we need to have a very close partnership between the growth marketing team, which I lead, and the product marketing team, uh, which we work closely with, as well as the sales team giving us input. And we need to allow ourselves the discipline and the time to do that research, which is a hard balance to strike when you're a fast-moving growing company. No, absolutely. And, and acquiring and, and all the things that we've discussed today that obviously muddy the waters a bit. Yeah, I, I want to talk about muddying the waters in a different way, though, because we, we've kind of danced around this throughout. You said earlier that the, you know, the goal is to deliver this more personalized B2C-like experience, right? The, the convergence, if you will, of B2B and B2C. When we think about it from a B2B perspective, and, and people have caught on now, this isn't a transactional deal that's happening with Avanti. These are large deals. Salespeople are at the table. Who do you think holds more of that responsibility to deliver that personalized experience? Is it the marketing air cover or is it the sales rep that gets involved with, with that account and can start to tailor? Where does that convergence start to happen? 
it's everywhere. It's top to bottom, every single facet of the journey, which means that marketing and sales need to be working hand in hand. They need to be aligned on the strategy. Who are the accounts? What what does a personalized experience mean and look like? What are the plays, so to speak? And how are those mapped exactly to those accounts? And what do we think a buying experience looks like all the way through so that it feels continuous through the, there's not like some sort of like relay race handoff between marketing and sales. And it's like, oh, it's in pipeline. Now you go see, see what you can do see what experience you can create. That's why I tell my team, I was like, we're responsible for the entire funnel from first interaction all the way till close. And even once they become a customer, that experience better continue to feel the same. And we want their experience to be omni-channel. It needs to be almost ambient in the sense that um, everywhere they go, every every lens and layer and direction they experience, Avanti, from sales to marketing and anything in between, needs to feel the same. You know, and, and one Avanti is part of our our vision and our mission. It's so true, Leslie. I, I've got like a million more questions for you, but we're running short on time. We're going to take a, a short additional break here, but then we're going to come back with some rapid fire questions. So I won't get a million more in, but I've got about five for you right after this break on the marketer's journey. This idea of converging B2B and B2C marketing is something I fully agree with Leslie on. I mean, literally right now, I'm at home, working from home as many of us are, and I'm surrounded by all these B2C experiences. I've got my kids watching Netflix in the other room with the next piece of content being suggested to them. I've got Spotify on my phone right beside me so that I can tune into whatever music is curated for me. And they have those strong words that's made for you because everything these days for me as a consumer feels made for me. And I think that's what we need to aspire towards as B2B marketers. We have to create this feeling where it goes beyond first name. Knowing the first name, that was really cool 10, 15 years ago. Now, we want to know that you can solve our problems. And as Leslie hit on here, to do that, we've got to really leverage those insights. We've got to empower marketing, empower salespeople to ultimately be able to deliver the right content. That is what people are looking for. That's the distinguishing factor. Just like on Netflix, it's not that they know my name at login, it's that they have the right episodes for me. When we can get to that level of marketing, we're truly creating a more human experience. Welcome back to The Marketer's Journey with Leslie Allure. We are gonna jump into some rapid fire questions and the buzzer is gonna go if we go too long. I don't have a buzzer, so don't put me in that position, Leslie. We're gonna fly through these. The first one I've got for you is, should up and coming marketing leaders aspire to be generalists or specialists? I would say generalist because you need to have a good, well-rounded perspective on every facet of marketing to be able to uh, convey to sales what the end-to-end experience really takes. Great. That's great. All right. I got another one for you. As much as I'm curious to go deeper there, uh, what's one thing you wish marketers would do more of? Stop, reflect, analyze, look at the data and optimize while your campaign is still in flight. Don't wait till something is over to go womp womp. That wasn't great. You can always course correct if you're monitoring what you're doing along the way. So true. Couldn't agree more. Get it out and keep iterating. 
All right, next question for you. Name three terms or words that you associate with great marketing campaigns. And maybe maybe the role of content can be within there. Customer first, precision, value exchange. And content, those things all apply to content, by the way. <laughs> That's great. I couldn't agree more. So what's the secret to building a scalable demand gen engine, which is a word you used earlier in this podcast. What's the one secret that you kind of bring in with you? Have a process in place in mind that you actually see through and have the discipline to document, to lay out end to end, see it through supported by all the right technologies, the vendors, the partners, train people on what it's going to be. But then make sure everybody knows that it needs to be agile as your business changes and grows. So I guess that's not one secret. That's just like the maybe the recipe at a very high level. No, I think it's a great point. I think a lot of people think about just hiring people and buying technology to scale. But process is that last you know corner of the triangle that we know that it makes that people process triangle thing actually work. Yeah, I don't believe in random acts of marketing. That's so true. That's so true. All right. What makes a customer experience memorable? Showing people something that they actually want and find value in that catches their attention, I think is memorable. You can you can go for the shock and awe factor. You can go for something memorable because it was bad. That's not really ideal. You here might hear some PR people say that, you know, any any PR coverage is good. I'm not sure I would agree with that, but I think when somebody sees it, they're like, oh my gosh, yes, that's me. I need this. That's great. All right. Last official question I've got for you is who chooses the right content for each campaign you send? Is that on the content team, the demand team? Is it on someone else? The only right answer to that question is that it has to be a collaborative effort between the product marketing team, the content strategy team, and the demand and growth team. That's great. All right, I told you that was the last official question. To tie all this into a journey, my last question for you, rapid fire is, you're finally on the horizon of a return to travel. Where do you hope to travel to next? So my my sister went to New Zealand and got stuck there during during the pandemic, and she met somebody and got married. I've never been to New Zealand. And then I have another sister who lives here, but she just married a Kiwi. So uh, New Zealand is all of a sudden in the family, and I really want to go. Amazing. That's great. A great story within. Leslie, Alora, this has been so great to have you on the podcast. I can't thank you enough. For anyone who's tuned in to hear Leslie's story, please check out all the other episodes we've got of The Marketer's Journey. One day, I hope you're on here telling your story of how you got to the executive table from a marketing perspective. Everyone's journey is a little bit different. Until next time, a big thank you to Leslie and thank you to all for tuning in. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts. 